What's up, everybody? Welcome once again to the Boardroom's Out of Office podcast. Gianni, what's really good? What's poppin', fam? We in here. We are in here. We're actually both in the office, if that's what you mean by in here, but we're in different rooms. Very rare. Very rare. Well, hopefully not rare forever. We, we, uh, you know, for anyone listening, we built these incredible offices, Kevin and I, for 35 Ventures, but obviously due to the world we're in right now, um, no one's really been in here except for Gianni and I, but it's been perfect for occasions like this, G, for uh, recording our podcast and doing some work and catching up, man. So this is Boardroom Podcast number 10, right? Yes, sir. Diez. How do you say 10 in Spanish? Diez. 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 So this is podcast 10. Uh, speaking of Spanish, Gianni, bro, is no end to our partnership here. You have been helping me out with my daughter's Spanish homework, which I appreciate. No worries. Here to help, fam. That's the thing. That's what I meant by in touch. You're in touch in so many ways. You, you being 25, you've only been out of school and stopped taking Spanish seven, eight, nine years ago. I stopped 25 years ago. So my knowledge is there, but it's not like yours. And that's why we're a good team, bro. We are a good team, fam. So our next guest, Gianni, is somebody that I got to meet when we did the season two of the boardroom for ESPN. And remember, I'm very specific with how I explain that part of our brand, ESPN's season two so it was the second group of episodes we gave to espn carly had an episode with lindsey vaughn lisa leslie and tina charles and since then i've followed her quite a bit and also you know now that we're new in the soccer world i'm gonna try to drop that in my convo with her now that we're new in the soccer world i've paid even more attention to soccer as a sport in general so i'm excited to have this next woman on Her name is Carly Lloyd, and for your reference, she is a two-time FIFA Player of the Year in 2015 and 16. She also is a two-time World Cup winner, 2015 and 19, which we all know well. She was on the 2007 and 2011 teams as well. Those are actually the years the Giants won their two Super Bowls versus the Patriots. Um, She's an Olympic gold medal winner, 2008 and 12, and she's done everything. She's played in the National Women's Soccer League. Before that, it was the Women's Professional Soccer League. She's also the only player to ever score a hat trick in a finals game. That's a very cool stat. All right, so all of those stats, plus much more, and she started to develop an incredible business, organization, clinics. She'll tell you about all of it. So uh, without further ado, Carly Lloyd, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, uh, for once again, supporting the boardroom and being a guest on our show. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, glad to be on. So we've asked a lot of our guests so far this question in like a different iteration. For you, I'm going to ask, at what point did you realize you were, you were special from the rest of your friends at soccer or the rest of your peers and that you had a gift that stood out a bit from everyone else that you were playing with? I would probably have to say, well, I started playing when I was five. Um, I would say around middle school-ish, you know, I started, um, I got on a a club team that became pretty serious, um, and it it sort of got a little easy for me and my town team in Dalran, so that's why I made that jump. Um, 
So I think that everyone else kind of pegged me as being um, a bit different than everybody else and, and unique. Um, I was just playing ball. So I just, I just loved it. It was climbing the ladder. But I think I would probably say around middle school time is when I, I really started to elevate things. So I know, um, I know A, that soccer is very popular where you're from in Jersey. I know that from friends of mine. I grew up in New York. So um, I always knew that like my Jersey friends were very serious about soccer and lacrosse. But I'm sure from playing recreationally and playing in those leagues in middle school to you know, where you are now, at that point, you must have had to make a decision when you realized that you were special and you wanted to do this, that there was a different level of commitment. Um, so you realize in middle school that you're special. Did you want to commit at that point when you realized that you were this good and, and commit to the game now and really make sure that you gave all your focus to soccer? 100%. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, no one had to force me to to get ready for training to go out to practice on my own. Um, I carried a ball with me everywhere I went. I think, you know, the common theme that you hear amongst, um, you know, professional athletes who are at the top of their respective sport. Um, it's it's sort of the, the same reoccurring theme. Um, you know, you, you live it, you breathe it, you love it. And for me, I, I grew up playing all, all different sports. Um, that's all I wanted to do. My, my mom got me into piano and ballet and dance, and, and I absolutely hated it. I, I actually drug feet having to go to practice to, to, to do that. So I think it was a really you know, easy indication to my parents that, all right, you know, this girl's grabbing a ball everywhere she goes. She's, she's outside. Uh, during Christmas time while it's snowing, juggling in the snow. So, uh, you know, it's safe to say that, that she, she likes the sport. So I, I was willing to do whatever it took uh, to be the best that I possibly could be. So at that point, what does the path to success look like? You know, I know in basketball, you start playing serious AU and playing on the sneaker-sponsored leagues. But what is the path to success now at middle school when you've made this commitment? Um, so when I joined the Medford Strikers uh, Soccer Club, it was a very reputable club in, in Jersey. Um, our coach uh, kind of recruited players from, from all over, from Jersey, from PA, from Delaware. Uh, we went on to win two state championships together. It was a, it was a great team to be on and be a part of. Um, and, you know, we were, we were busy every weekend. Every weekend was a tournament. It was a college showcase tournaments. And I started to get myself involved in uh, New Jersey ODP, which is uh, the Olympic Development Program. And that was sort of, uh, at the time, the pathway to then get on to the regional team, which was, uh, there's four regions in soccer. So it's region one, two, three, four. We're region one, being from Maine to Virginia. Um, and so your goal was to make the regional team. And then from the regional team, then you bump up to the national team. So that was sort of the pathway for me at the time. Um, you know, ODP produced some pretty amazing players uh, throughout each state. Um, and that was, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it the first time I tried out, but I kept at it and kept kind of climbing that ladder. And that was sort of, uh, that was my, my turning point to, you know, to, to, making a name for myself, I guess you could say. Speaking of these amazing players, I wanted to ask you at this 
point in middle school where you really discover you're super talented. Who are you looking up to at this point? Who are some of your soccer heroes? Well, it was a little, little different back then because, you know, yes, I grew up, you know, watching, um, you know, Michelle Akers, Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, all these players who played for uh, the national team at the, at the present moment. Um, but there was no such thing as, you know, social media and you're, you're watching on a daily basis uh, all these players um, so believe it or not, you know, Michael Jordan was actually a big person I looked up to. I mean, everybody wanted to be like Mike and, and yes, he played basketball, but you could still relate to his greatness. You know, he just wanted to be great. And um, I always loved that about him. Um, I actually looked up to some of the, the men's national team players as well. I got to meet Kobe Jones when I was playing, um, you know, I, I watched Eric and all the John Hart's. Um, so it, it wasn't just one particular person or, or moment. I, I just feel like I kind of grew up um, admiring greats. Joe Montana um, was another big one. So I, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of gravitated towards, towards people like that. That answer is incredible. Um, and I, but I think obviously like we, everyone loved Michael Jordan um, that's in the basketball world. You hear that answer and it's, it, it's expected. I wasn't expecting it, but I think that when you think of Joe Montana and Michael Jordan, it transcends any sport. And I think it's amazing that those are the people that you aspire to be. It says a lot about the level of greatness you're at because it's probably just that common thread amongst the greats that you identify in one another. And you saw early that it was something about Michael Jordan, Joe Montana, probably bigger than the commercials and all that. Was there something about their focus to being great that really resonated with you as a kid? Um, well, I got to play, you know, Joe Montana with the 49ers on Sega, um, <laughs> throwing some bombs down the field. Um, no, I mean, it was just, you know, it was, it was the way they, they approached the game and life and, and climbed their way to the top. Um, as a kid, you know, whether I was picking up a football, basketball, soccer ball, I just remember always kind of having in my mind, you know, throwing the epic touchdown pass. You know, if I was playing in, um, in my neighborhood with, with friends um, or scoring the winning goal uh, while I'm playing pickup with my friends at the soccer field. I mean, it was just kind of, you know, seeing Joe Montana, Michael Jordan, even Dan Marino, you know, these, these amazing greats do it on the biggest stage. And then you want to just kind of emulate that. And uh, it was just fascinating for me, you know, to grow up and even watching a player like Michelle Akers play on the national team. Um, you know, she would run through a brick wall to score a goal and do anything for her teammate. And she came up big in big moments. And that was someone that I, I felt like I could I could relate to and, and wanted to be that. Did you play a lot of other sports or was it just laser focused on that one? I did. I, I actually swam till I was about 18. I played softball, uh, basketball. I played up until my junior year of high school. And then I, I quit because of soccer. Um, but every moment in the neighborhood, I was playing anything, you know, roller hockey. Um, our street was, was the old school um, you know, I guess crushed concrete, like rock. So every time you'd rollerblade, like it was never smooth. Um, but it didn't matter. You know, I was out there playing, trying to score some goals. 
uh, played football, basketball, just everything. Um, any and every sport I was, I was able to, to pick up. You know, I think anybody that, um, well, I think anybody in general that is chasing a dream of theirs when they're young, but especially when I've spoken to some of the most successful people in the world, you hear a lot about like the commitment that their family had to make. And, you know, you see so many athletes that talk so much when they get to that like ultimate high about what their family had to do. You know, even for me, like I just wanted, once I realized I couldn't play professional sports and I realized pretty early, you know, my mom taking me to the garden and letting me wait outside to meet players and meet coaches by the parking garage was that equivalent of it. But I know soccer more than so many sports at a young age is such a big commitment. Like my daughters only played till they were seven and they chose not to keep playing, but they're friends even at that age every weekend. What did your family, like was it a lot that your family had to commit to during that time when you were leading up into college and playing semi-pro and in the national program? It was. Um, you know, I was the firstborn out of three. So I have two younger siblings and, um, you know, they're, they're not afraid to say that, that I just had a, a way different mentality and dedication level. You know, it wasn't something that they, they loved and that's fine. And that's what makes, you know, everybody kind of different, but, um, you know, I think my, my parents were heavily involved. They um, wrote checks. They uh, took me to tournaments, you know, on weekends, um, practices during the week. I mean, they basically provided every ounce of, uh, you know, experience I could to, to ultimately be the best. And it's, and it's a risk you take. You know, you don't know what's going to come of it. Um, you know, it, it ended up working out in my favor. I ended up, you know, getting a, a full scholarship to Rutgers, um, which was great to, you know, a lot of my friends are still paying back loans with college and, you know, it's, it's stressful. So I was very fortunate in that regard. Uh, and then, you know, getting onto the national team scene, um, you know, you hear, you hear tons of stories with, with professional athletes and, some have falling outs with their families and, and it's a lot. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of um, business things that are going on. Um, you know, I had a falling out with my family in, in the beginning of my career. Um, but this COVID period right now has, has just given me a, a little bit of a different perspective. Um, and, you know, I'm now, you know, hoping to, to mend things with my family, which is good. You know, I, I think it's never too late, but it's the amount of things that people have to juggle. I think a lot of people don't understand you're juggling agents, you're juggling uh, media, you're juggling the pressure of, of performing, you're juggling, you know, family members, um, you know, maybe treating you a little bit differently, the more income you have. I mean, there's just a whole range of, of different dynamics throughout family and relationships and people that it's, it's extremely hard. It, it really is very hard to navigate. And I think that's uh, what a lot of people don't quite understand, you know, when you have to go through that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, listen, I think any kid that's getting older and going on to their own in life anyway, runs into issues with their parents. But when you think about the added stress, like you said, that's mentioned. And also the fact that when all of you respectively were younger, there was a certain love for the game and a certain 
escape that the game gave you, whatever it was, that when all of that drama comes now, and it's new for everybody, and a lot of times there's financial success that's brand new for everybody that's hard to wrap your head around, and it just brings tumultuous energy. So a lot of those decisions start really young. Was that some of the reason why, or did that play any part in choosing to stay at Rutgers, as I'm sure you must have had a lot of offers to play? It was. Um, you know, the college decision-making is very daunting. You're, you know, a 17-year-old trying to figure out the next four years of your life, uh, what you want to be when you grow up, you know, all these things that you really aren't necessarily ready, ready to decide. Um, so, you know, I looked at several schools. I looked at West Virginia, NC State, Maryland, UConn, um, and there were, you know, plenty of other schools throughout the country. Um, but for me, it, you know, it, it, it came down to feeling comfortable. It was a really tough decision between Rutgers and West Virginia. But I think what intrigued me the most about Rutgers is I knew a lot of the players that played on the team, a lot of the upperclassmen. Um, and I think that that kind of helped ease my uh, nerves a little bit. And I could still go away without it feeling like I'm, you know, halfway across the country. You know, it was important for me, for my family to be able to watch me play. Um, I was dating my high school sweetheart, which I'd be lying to say that didn't play a little bit of a role. Um, we've ended up getting married, so you don't hear of that very often. Um, so, yeah, there were there were a lot of variables, and I, and I wanted to help put Rutgers on the map. They were a school that was a, in a coaching transition and it was a, a great unique opportunity for me to to help you know being the underdog and um, getting them on the map so while you're at Rutgers dominating all ACC Big East player I believe is one of the accolades amongst several and you're already on the junior national team are you thinking senior national team that's the goal or also professional soccer wherever that takes me i was i would say when i went to watch the 99 world cup team play at giant stadium i went with my sister i was up probably the, the top tier watching um it was that moment where i said to myself you know this is what i want to do i want to play for my country represent my country in olympics world cups and you know, you have that dream, but you don't think that it's within reach. Um, so eventually, you know, playing in college and, and kind of getting that recognition, uh, being on the radar, then getting onto the under 21 national team, um, you know, there, there was something special about me. You know, I was, I was a different player than other players, but there were also some things that I lacked that other players had. So, um, and those things that I lacked were, you know, easier to, um, you know, easier to get fit, easier to get mentally stronger. Um, whereas some of the unique technical abilities that I had and um, that, you know, is, is often kind of sometimes hard to teach with certain players. So, yeah, it was, it was a mission for me. And I had a lot of people around me telling me that I could go on to the national team, play at that level, um, I just needed the confidence to be able to believe that that I actually could. So when you leave college, um, you're, what are the early 
years of those leagues look like? Uh, what environment are you playing in? And you know, what, what is the kind of, what's the sense from you that this is something that you can do for the long term? Well, it's a little bit different because when I came out, we didn't have a league. The league had folded. Um, so in, in normal sports world, you know, you, you get drafted and you get onto a team. Um, you know, I finished college, played for the under-21 national team for several years, ended up getting cut, and then ended up getting, you know, reinvited because of an injury and then, um, you know, stayed from that point on. Um, so I just kind of hopped into the mix. You know, I was, I was training with, with my idols. I was training with Brian Ascari, Mia Hamm, Fowdy. Um, you know, I never imagined I'd ever be on the field with some of those players. Um, and then, you know, I just kind of went right in, rolled right into to the national team scene. And um, it was about, you know, competing and believing that I could be there and then, you know, trying to get myself into a starting spot. So it was a little different. It wasn't, it wasn't like how it, it is for, for football or basketball or even baseball. Um, we now have a league, the, the National Women's Soccer League, that's that's been around. Um, but when I came out, it was you know it was different. Um, but Team USA, when when you get out of college, you're playing Team USA. Um, Team USA is paying you guys, right? It's it's um, it's not amateur like it is in other sports. They're paying you from the beginning, um, and then when the the leagues start, you know you were a star in college. You were starting to become this big star on the national scene. Were the leagues when the league started? Was it an odd dynamic for you now, kind of playing and and trying to play in front of these smaller crowds and getting your feet wet in this new league? It was, yeah. I mean, it was um, at that point when I had come onto the national team. The players prior uh, to me, um, you know, fought for guaranteed contracts for health benefits. Um, they wanted, they wanted security. They wanted to know that they could get paid and not have to go out and get an additional job. So that's sort of what I, I came into. Um, I didn't know any better. You know, I was earning, earning income as a 23 year old, 24 year old. And I'm like, this is, this is amazing. I don't care what I get. Um, so then when you, you know, then when I, I, I was playing in the league, which my first year in the uh, WPS, the, the, the second league um, that folded, I was on Chicago in 2009. And it was different because I had to live in Chicago. Um, I could essentially pick where I wanted to go. Um, so it, it never has really felt like, you know, you're, you're getting drafted or you're, you're going to play for, for a club team. Um, it's been a little, little different, a little backwards in the soccer world. Um, it has been changed, changing now. But, yeah, it, was, it took some getting used to. We're now in our third league, and um, it gets a little bit more complicated, too, because U.S. soccer is still paying us to play in that league. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's separate, but it's not separate. So it's definitely, uh, getting better. Um, but it's, it's not as, it's not like how it is, you know, overseas to be able to go on loan or, or sign, uh, sign with a specific team that you want to. 
but so I won't get into the frustrations of it because you know we we spoke about that on the boardroom the first time you were on and you know and I think it's well documented something that you've been a part of for a while fighting against but what I do know is that because of that I've seen that you've done so much off the field um did you think about that early on did you start to you know visualize when you thought about throwing a touchdown like Joe Montana or being that kind of winner that all came also with this other stuff you know I know KD honestly can tell me he didn't think about that stuff till he got a bit older and it clearly comes into play but were you starting to think about okay if I'm chasing soccer um, what you know what are some of the things I may want to also have in the works were you just focused on soccer for a while yeah I would say I was definitely focused on soccer for a while um you know, we, we touched on kind of playing at a younger age. There's an innocence about it. You know, you just play. It's so easy to just go out and play. You have no other responsibilities. Um, I always tell people now, you know, training and and competing is is the easy part. It's everything else that comes with it. It's, uh, you know, just, just being an adult, you know, having your everyday life, um, you know, trying to um, spend time with your significant significant other. Um, it's a, it's an odd thing, you know, coming and going. Uh, there's just, there's just so much more from a business standpoint that eventually you do have to think of those things. So I would say that, you know, I, I started thinking about those things probably within the last five years or so. Um, figuring out what I like, what I, what I want to do. Um, and then some things just kind of happen organically. You know, you become passionate about stuff sometimes when you may go through something or you may attend an event and say to yourself, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. I want to try to get involved a little bit more. So it's, uh, it's a tricky situation because there's, there's life after sport. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm prepared. I think I've seen too many athletes who stumble with that aren't, who aren't prepared. Um, and I'm not going to have it all figured out right in this particular moment, but you have to, you have to prepare somewhat. But the night, the team you mentioned, the 99 team that must've like registered in some way, to at least say, okay, you know what, when you get to this like pinnacle of success, you know, you see that there's opportunity, but obviously comes with staying focused in the moment and getting to that level of success. But did that team kind of set the bar on, okay, what you can do off the field that there was going to be real opportunity, you think, for women's soccer? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think when they won in 99, it was, um, it was incredibly successful. Um, they rode that wave for quite some time. Unfortunately, they, you know, had a, a league that the WUSA league that, that ended up folding. Um, so there were, there were some ebbs and flows to that, that period. Um, I would say that when I first got on the national team in 2005, I would say it wasn't until 2011 world cup, we actually lost in the final. Um, but I noticed a huge shift in, the following, you know, we were, we were barely maybe getting 5,000 people at our games. Um, we then, you know, started to see an increase of, of followers. And 
we started to become kind of America's team, you know, America's dream team in 2011. And I think ever since then, the momentum has been building. You know, everybody's been wanting to see us win a World Cup. And in 2015, um, it was like all stars aligned, you know, everything. It was... You went off in that final game. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it, it felt like we were playing at home, being in, in Canada, and the final being in Vancouver. But not only that, you know, you had the, the backing of, of Fox Sports and the amount of coverage that they put into it. And it had been 16 years since we won. So I would say 2015 winning was, was, was life-changing, game-changing for, for all of us. Um, there was more opportunity. Social media was massive. It was like everything just kind of aligned. And, and I think since then, it's, uh, there's been some incredible opportunity and it just keeps growing and growing, which is great. Rich, I don't know if you know this, but during that 2015, 2015 finals match, Carly scored in the third minute, then the fifth minute, and then shot it from midfield at the 14th minute over the goalkeeper. I did not know that, but I, <laughs> I will tell you, though, uh, I don't know if you saw, but um, Kevin and our whole organization invested in the Philadelphia Union. And the first time I had been to a soccer match in Europe before, actually, but the first time that I went and really paid attention and starting to really learn and appreciate the game because we're really working in it now and it's exciting and um we're in this suite and it's like our own 35 venture suite and it's gianni and myself and a friend of mine and his son and i'm asking them questions at gianni's first soccer game ever he turned into this like loud insane soccer fan who just started falling in love with certain players on our squad. So I really felt that question, Gianni. Like, I know you watched highlights before this interview. I appreciate that. Love it. You got to come prepared. For sure. So the thing that I always confuses me sometimes in line with this, like, MLS point that I made is when I was watching them play, I was blown away at how talented these guys were and watching any professional sport live it you know if you're a sports fan there's nothing better than that but in my mind i know that the best players in the world with all due respect to the mls players don't play in america they play in these leagues overseas and become tremendous stars and the money is astronomical but the best female soccer players in the world are from america isn't that right Yes. It just seems to me that year after year, whenever you guys are put to the forefront, um, that the amount of star power and the amount of um, just like polarizing transcendent personalities that are part of women's soccer, to me, this should be at the level of MLS or not or, or, or more. You know, what what do you think? The, like, what are those obstacles? If you and I were having a meeting and we were not on a podcast. And I was like, what can we do to help? Like, what could I do? Cause I know Serena and Natalie Portman are buying that team in LA. I've started to see opportunity, but what do you think knowing it all is the void right now? I think it's a couple things. I think that, you know, for one, it, it's, it's cultural, you know, um, 
overseas, you know, there's, there's not many other sports that everybody's competing with. You know, you, you go to Spain, you go to England, um, you know, these, these players are, you know, they're born and they're, they're kind of growing up with a soccer ball. So it, it, it's just a cultural thing. But then, you know, you also have Americans over here who maybe kind of just fall off, you know, they, they, they fall off the wagon because of the opportunity and because it's expensive and, um, you know, they're, they're finding themselves, you know, they're probably majority of the most skillful players, um, but they're, they're not getting that opportunity because um, it's sort of had this, you know, pay to play model. So I think that's, that's hard. And then, you know, you're seeing players who, who do have the talent um, like Pulisic. He, you know, went overseas at an early age at Dortmund and, you know, kind of got groomed there. And, and now he's, um, he's playing unbelievable. I mean, he's, he's a, a great player to watch and um, he's, he's gone over there and he was playing with men when he was younger. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different. You've got our college over here, which is a shortened season for men. And they're not playing with men who are, you know, 23, 24, 30 even. Um, so it's a little bit different. Uh, you're seeing a lot of, of the men's national team players. A lot of them are overseas and they're playing and, and they're doing well. And it's, it's kind of exciting for us. Um, so I think that they're trying to change the game. They're trying to make it better. Um, but those are kind of a few things of, of my, my take on, on what's going on. But then how in turn with that, because you guys are such big stars and so talented and that the level of play is, is so high and, and the competition incredible, how does that league grow? That's more what I mean. From an MLS perspective, that answer actually was very helpful. And, you know, I am starting to learn a bit more about the youth academy and, and you know, our organization, especially in Philly, has an incredible youth academy. Um, but what about from women's professional league, how does that grow? What do you think could be done to help that grow? Well, the women's side's different. Um, we've been successful throughout the years and, uh, you know, players go to college, they come out of college and then they get on the national team with a few exceptions of some players who have um, opted out of college and, and gone straight to the pro level. Um, but we've, we've been successful We've had a very successful national national team. And our league now is, you know, it is one of the most prominent leagues to be a part of. Um, we had way more, um, you know, players coming from overseas in the previous two leagues playing and being part of that than we do now. And, you know, I, I think that money is, is a little bit of a factor. Um, players in those first two leagues were getting paid a lot more than they probably would get in these leagues. Um, there's a little bit more restrictions and also the leagues overseas, you know, Spain, you look at um, even in Sweden, in England, um, Australia has got a league. They're, they're actually successful leagues now. So they're, they're competing. They're um, they're being invested in, so it, it kind of is now throwing out a bit of a, uh, a competition with our league, which is, is good, you know, and we've had players who during this time period have gone on loan over to, to England um, to play and, and get games. So 
it's um, the game's growing on the woman's side, which is what we want to see. Do you think you'd ever want to get into ownership or anything at that level? Um, yeah, I definitely would be open to it. I think, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd want to align myself with, you know, something that I, I believe in and um, it would have to be the right fit. So, yeah, I think that there's definitely, definitely a possibility of that. So what is the business? I know a bit about your organization um, and I know that some of the work you've done with the in- endorsements and your partners, but can you tell me a bit about like the landscape of what your kind of enterprise looks like now? Yeah, it's, it's grown. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's obviously been a work in progress. Um, my, my first initial thing was, you know, I, I wanted to design a, a logo, you know, something that I, uh, liked and, you know, you, you see a lot of, uh, professionals with pretty, pretty dope logos, you know? And, um, so my brand, you know, CL10, uh, that's, it's kind of what you do in, in the soccer world. Cristiano Ronaldo is CR7. He's got his, um, so, you know, I had a logo designed, um, and then, you know, the next step was just kind of putting, putting everything in place, soccer clinics. So, uh, for me, you know, obviously right now is a little tricky, but, um, you know, I've been going around the country, kind of touring around when I can um, and just doing these soccer clinics, giving back, helping, offering inspiration. Got that. I've also got um, my CL10 merch line, um, which has, has been doing great. Um, just trying to, to keep building that. And I really enjoy speaking. Um, that's a little bit of, you know, more on the business side, but just trying to, just trying to grow, just trying to become better. I mean, every time I, I do a clinic, I want to just keep getting better and better. Anytime I do a, a speaking in, uh, engagement, I want to just get better and better. Um, so it's just trying to grow, trying to leverage opportunities. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I have, have going on and I'm sure there'll be some more opportunities in the future. And the field goal thing, um, I'm pretty fascinated by that in a very sincere way because I have this like odd skill that I think is completely fallen off now where I could really kick. Like I, I no one believes me, but my brother could attest this. I kicked a 45-yard field goal maybe 15 years ago. But then I went to University of Texas on one of Kevin's visits there and I kicked it during a commercial freight break in front of 100,000 people. I have a photo here, Gianni, to prove it, and shanked it horribly and got booed. Oh, horrible moment, horrible moment. I haven't kicked since then. But how? what was that field goal kind of conversation about? That just kind of unfolded organically. Um, that was, you know, that was me being – Typical Carly, never backing down from a challenge. I started at probably 20, 20 yards, 25 yards, and made it. And they're like, do you want to move back? Do you want to move back? I'm like, yeah, let's just keep going until, um, you know, I, I get to, uh, you know, uh, hit a 55-yarder and just bang it through, through the uh, – down the pipes, and it just happened like that. But, I, you know, I've, I've always been somebody who – isn't afraid to try something and I may fail at it, but I know that I'm going to be able to eventually do it. So, um, you know, they're, they're, I'm not shutting that door either. So we'll see. Dude, definitely do not shut that door. Oh my God. 
I will be like, that's an, you know, it's, it's, I always look for a reason to lock in on another team to root for. <laughs> so whatever, whatever team you start kicking for is definitely my squad. Um, how's your rehab going? It's good. It's been, uh, you know, it's been, been several months. It's been a, a tough one. I injured my knee. Haven't really had any knee injuries. Um, but you know, it's, it's been teaching me patience and I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, it's taught me, you know, to just kind of take each day as it comes. I think that that's hard for any human being. You're always thinking of, you know, next week and the week after and, and all these things. And I just have to kind of hone in on, on the particular day. So um, I'm in the jogging phase, which is great. It's been a while and uh, starting to going to touch the ball a little bit more and just one day at a time and, and take my time. That's, that's the biggest thing. Patience. Well, the next question I was going to ask you, I can already tell the answer. I was going to ask you how long you thought you'd play for, but when someone says that they live their life one day at a time, <laughs> I'm sure you have no answer to that one. Well, my goal is to make another Olympic team. So that'll be next summer. And then we'll see. World cup in 23 is too far out. You think, you know, it's one of those things where could I potentially do it? Perhaps, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things I want to do in my life. I want to, I want to ski. I haven't skied in, you know, since I was, since I was younger before, probably think the last time I skied was 2005. I want to, um, you know, ride my four wheeler. I want to do all the things that I've put on hold, um, because of injury and yeah, spend time with my husband, friends, family, start a family. So that, that will be probably what gets in the way. Well, it has been fun again, having you a part of, uh, of our boardroom conversation and, um, best of luck to you. I think I've asked you twice now. So now we owe you something. You, whenever your company needs to collaborate with us in any way, please let me know. I think the world of you and I think your business will be very successful and continue to be successful. So we will speak to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys.